Welcome to The Great Podcast, a show where we look at the important men and women of history and decide, once and for all, if they are worth all the fuss. My name is Jordan. And my name is David. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of The Great Podcast. And Jordan actually read the script, so we got that done in under a minute this time. Not on camera, no proof. Yeah, that's true. Last time it did take five minutes, though. <laughs> that was a lot of messing around, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, uh, I, we were in such a hurry, or more I was in such a hurry last time, that I also didn't explain the format of the show. Or give any shout-outs to the inspiration for this show. So I thought maybe I should do that to start off today. Uh, so, um, brief breakdown of the format. I'm going to explain to Jordan about a an important person in history. We are going to go through their life and their accomplishments. And then at the end, break them down in five categories. Mastery of military might. Terrible tyranny. Lives of the living. Departing demise. And lasting legacy. We each are going to give them a score out of 10, meaning they could somehow get 100 points total. That's the max they could get. But it'd be really hard. Um, Impossible. Augustus will probably be close. No no spoilers, but... I don't know, man. I really like the last guy. Yeah. I don't know if I can rank anybody higher. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll kind of go into what these, these categories mean a little bit more as well. And then at the very end, we have two extra pieces to this. We're going to give them some kind of title that we think is fitting, like the crazy, the wonderful, whatever, and then decide if they are worthy of the title the great as a separate piece. Because hmm. some people in history are called the great, and you can kind of go, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're going to decide. Um, and then a shout out to the inspiration for this. So uh, Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium is what got me interested in this format. They copied a podcast called Rex Factor, also a great podcast. So check both of those out. Um, we're starting with important people from Rome, um, and we're skipping quite a few. We're not going to be covering every single emperor or anything. But if you're interested in that, Totalis Rankium has all the Roman emperors and almost all the way through all the Byzantine emperors. So big shout out to them. We're stealing your format, kind of. Thanks. All right. So let's recap very briefly Julius Caesar. What what did he do, Jordan? I'm putting you on on blast here. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna remember. We only recorded it two weeks ago. It's like flashback to high school. <laughs> Pop quiz. Um, what did he do? Okay. Well, he he did whatever he wanted. Anything. Um, he did everything he wanted. He started a major war with uh, with I guess the barbarians the gauls uh, the yeah. gauls there you go but yeah in general barbarians mm -hmm. uh won some pretty big battles there pretty much wiped them out after well like seven or eight years yeah something like that Close. really long yeah. then he was like mm, i'm gonna keep running from my problems if i keep leaving they can't actually charge me with my crimes obviously right the and senate then, yep. yeah did a lot of that got his own legions like 10 of them yeah Went back to Rome eventually and was like, I want to be in charge. And then he was, and then he died. Yeah, that uh, was, that's yeah, that's a pretty pretty concise summary. Pretty much, yeah. Much, but he had the people's he had the people in his heart. I think he was a good guy. Yeah, it's, he's one of those twisted ones where it really depends on your perspective. Yeah, because yeah, to fair. some people he was the scariest butcher ever, and to mm -hmm. others he was a savior of the republic. Yeah, I suppose that's just kind of the tale of time though honestly very true so i think i mentioned very very briefly that he named an heir right before he died that no one knew about do you recall that 
I want to say yes, but I have to say no. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Okay. So so let let's jump right into this uh, young boy, who is the grand nephew of Caesar. Grand nephew. Octavius. Octavius. All right. Cool name. I yes. like it. So let's let's talk about him. So. Uh, Gaius Octavius was born in Rome on September 23rd in 63 BC. He had a well-to-do family. Uh, his great-grandfather had fought in the Second Punic War. That was the war with Hannibal. Mm-hmm. So big time. This was like one of the biggest wars in Roman history to this point. His father was also the governor of Macedonia, and his mother was Caesar's niece, as we mentioned. Mm. And Octavius was actually raised primarily by his grandmother, Caesar's sister. Okay, so that's why he had a close relationship with them. Yep. So while Caesar is rising to power, um, doing all the fighting in Gaul and then the Civil War, uh, Octavius is a young boy. Mm -hmm. And near the end of the Civil War, he's around 17-ish. Okay. So just about fighting age, or at least leading with his mm -hmm. uncle age. While Caesar was off in Hispania fighting some of Pompey's lieutenants... Either that, actually, I might be wrong about that. This might have been the second time he went back to fight Caesar's sons. I'm not sure. But Octavius went off to join him. He was like, okay, now's my chance. I'm old enough. I'm going to go out and join my great, powerful uncle. Mm-hmm. But he got sick and then shipwrecked. <laughs> Dang. And he never got to join the fighting. Dang. Shucks. That's unfortunate. There, there will be a few of these uh, where, oh, shucks, I could have been there. <laughs> But I wasn't. Even tried. Yeah. Even tried to get yep. there. Still, Caesar was impressed with his grandnephew for his resolve because he mm-hmm. was still trying to get to him right. despite these setbacks. Um, upon his return to Rome, he secretly put Octavi- Caesar secretly put Octavius down as his main beneficiary in his will. Oh. Because Caesar didn't have any legitimate male children. Okay. So Octavius was then undergoing military training in Illyricum, which is to the east of Italy. And they were preparing to go invade Parthia, I mentioned last time, which is essentially the Persians, but not the Persians. Mm, right. Same area. Just the same area. Yep. Okay. Because they had captured, killed Crassus by pouring molten gold down his throat. Right, 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 right. In that process, what I didn't mention was they took the uh, Roman standards, basically mm-hmm. the, the kind of like flags yeah. that they, they weren't flags, but that they carried. And this was a big deal. Losing one of those was the biggest embarrassment. So... Caesar was planning, after he became dictator, to go get those back. It was very important. And it will be a problem for decades. (laughs) But it was at this time, while he was training in Illyricum, that news came through that Caesar had been assassinated. That's unfortunate to hear. That's got to be rough for the kid. Yeah, this was the guy that was going to make him powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and now he's, he's dead. So Octavius rushed back to Rome, unaware that he was Caesar's heir. Mm -hmm. He found out while he was making his way back. Mm Mm-hmm. Mark Antony, yes. Caesar's right-hand My guy. man, yeah, very important in Caesar's episode, even more important in this episode. Mm. So he was in Rome at the time. He had tried to warn Caesar. Unsuccessfully. But did not get there in time. Um, and so now he was kind of in a position of power because he was Caesar's right-hand man. Right. And the right. people loved Caesar. Mm-hmm. However, he was proposing clemency for the assassins, which was very unpopular, naturally. It's a fairly caesar thing to do though yeah you know kind of yeah this clemency was definitely caesar's thing so uh he also tried to overturn caesar's will and withheld octavius's inheritance well obviously if if octavius is there then mark antony can't really be in charge right 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 unless he kiss ass again yeah so he he made up a story about caesar and octavius having a sexual relationship and that's Mm. why this shouldn't go through highly unlikely 
Right. Really doesn't seem quite doesn't like seem like kid quite ever got there. So yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Octavius found out what was going on while he was traveling back towards Rome, and at this point, he changed his name to Gaius Julius Caesar because well, he had been adopted. That'll do it. That's what you do. This was very common with adoption. And uh, oh shoot, we need to get you your. Uh, your family tree. Hold a family so what I was going to say uh, is there's quite a few Gaius Juliuses. I can see it in my brain. Yeah, we'll grab that in a moment. <laughs> but uh, So this was really common during adoption. Um, and at this point, historians start calling him Octavian rather than Octavius. And he will change his name a few times. Good. At Just least to keep things nice and consistent. Yes, right. Easy to remember. So he's not even 20. He's mm-hmm. about 19 at this right. point. And now he's about to march towards Rome. So he marches towards Rome. Mm -hmm. He picked up several thousand of Caesar's veterans along the way who were all too happy to have someone to follow. Right. And pay them. Right. He won them over with money and his claim to Caesar's appointed heir. Meanwhile, Antony was losing favor with the people by going too light on the assassins and pushing against deifying Caesar. Which I don't, I didn't look into it too deeply to figure out why, like his reasoning, because there's just so much to cover this week. But it does seem strange that he was like against Caesar being. Yeah, you think he'd just kind of go, well, maybe he's just, because he's trying to be in power, right? Right. So if Caesar gets deified and then Octavian is his heir, they're going to be like, oh, he's the holy heir, making it even that much harder to try to gain favor. So maybe he's just trying to put a little more roadblock in there. You know, and that's that's actually a really good point, because uh, in a little bit here, Octavian will start calling himself the son of a god. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> Caesar's been deified. So, yeah. All right. So once in Rome, Octavian amassed a sizable force around him of mm-hmm. both military and political power. Yeah, it makes sense. And lots of people were were flocking to him. Antony fled the city to take control of Cisalpine Gaul after the Senate granted it to him. This is one of the territories that Caesar had at one point. But um, there was a problem because Decimus Brutus of the and you Brutus, quote, fame, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, had already been assigned that province before the assassination. So he's there. (laughs) Yeah. Awkward. Because he fled. And uh, he refused to back down when Antony arrived. Yeah, no, yeah. he just got done assassinating someone. I don't he's think like, he's going to back down. my province that. now. <laughs> you can leave. Uh, Antony besieged Brutus against the Senate's wishes because the Senate is like, can we stop having civil war, please? This guy is just losing everything of favor he's ever had now. He's just really just trampling now, though, <laughs> on his own just, reputation. Just, just give him a moment. He's, he's, he stays in this story for a while. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so Antony besieged Brutus. Um, the Senate was not happy. And Octavian had a small army with him at this point. Mm-hmm. And the Senate raised him to senatorial class. He wasn't actually in the senatorial class at this point. And they granted him proprietor imperium, which is commanding power. Okay. The, the authority to command yeah. legions, which legalized these the armies that he already had wonderful like, okay well if you already have them yeah right. i guess i <laughs> guess go. We'll you can command them that's fine yeah which is kind of the story of octavian throughout where it's like okay well you kind of already have this power and instead of fighting about it why don't we just say you have it we'll just, officially we'll just make now. it legal now okay. yeah right so octavian set out with the two consuls for that year mm-hmm. a reminder there's two consuls elected every year and they're essentially the most powerful people in the government mm-hmm. and the military leaders he was granted equal power to the consuls for this campaign. So already this That's young man who's yeah. about 20 at this point 
given a lot of power. Lot you of couldn't power. be a consul until you were 40. Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, this is a big deal. Um, they defeated Antony's forces twice pretty quickly, but both consuls died in the fighting. Yeah. Hey. hey. <laughs> Look at that, Octavian. Whoa. Weird position you find yourself in here. <laughs> strange. Um, so, after this, who do you think got the praise for defeating Antony? Octavian. Brutus. No. Oh. The Senate heaped praise on Brutus, one of Caesar's assassins, despite Octavian obviously right. Actually doing a lot going of it. there, yeah. Yeah. And the legions sent with the consuls were ordered to be handed over to Brutus, the assassin. Did they listen? Octavian refused. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's funny, too, because the Senate really had not learned not to piss off people named Julius Caesar. Yeah, man. You'd think they would have learned their lesson. It's been, a, it's been a while of the Julius Caesars doing what they want. you think they'd be like, okay, we'll listen to you. What maybe, do you want? Maybe, we, do you we, maybe we'll just... You have my ear, sir. Yeah. Octavian sent some of his men to Rome. Not like an army. Just right. some, some men as a delegation. And demanded a consulship, as one might expect. At the age of 20. Also... Strangely, the, the you can see the changing of allegiances at this point. He demanded that Antony's public enemy status be rescinded. Oh, okay. So Antony was a public enemy by the gotcha. Senate. And, Makes sense. And now he was like, well, maybe we could team up or something. I don't know. Smart man. And the Senate refused. Well, so what did Octavian do? I don't know. I'm guessing maybe he did what Julius did before him and just like, well, this is what the people want. So I'm just going to kind of do what I want until the people support me. And then you're going to have to support me, too. Close. You, when you said he did what <laughs> Caesar did, I thought, oh, you got it. Oh, but no. it was the March My Legions on Rome. Oh, he's going to assert dominance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Remember, Caesar marched with the 13th Legion. Yeah, just yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Octavian had eight. He just said, nah, we're here. Let's just let's just go. Yep. The Senate quickly changed their mind about him being consul. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We, yeah, we meant. You didn't hear me right. I, I, I said yes. or something. I said... Yes, I think I think we can do this. So, Antony, or Octavian teamed up with Mark Antony and this man, Marcus Aemilius Lepidus, who is important, but not really. Okay. Um, Lepidus was another strong supporter of Caesar. And he had kind of teamed up with Antony before Octavian agreed to team up with Antony. Mm -hmm. So this created the second triumvirate. Ah, good. was this one more known, or was oh, it that's, still pretty secret? That's I love that you you <laughs> mentioned that. So the first one was Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus was a secret, right, under the table thing. This was official. Oh, the okay. government said, okay, we're going to take out the assassins and end the civil war. You three are essentially the three dictators. Oh well, is it kind of was it kind of like three consul consulates more because dictator but had more power? Oh, yeah, they legit gave them the title of three dictator. Not officially, but okay. yeah, it's kind of weird. It was a special <laughs> thing for them. Okay, where they split up the republic and took different territories to be in charge of until they finished in, fighting. Okay, until yeah. everything was stabilized. Yeah, okay. and and to stabilize things, let's kill a lot of people. Well, yeah, if you get prescription rid <laughs> time. Let's you, go. You get rid of all of the people who oppose you. You're only left with people who and, agree. And who, you know? <laughs> and who opposes them mainly? Senators. Right. So several hundred senators <laughs> and a couple thousand equites, which is a, a rank below senator okay. but above plebeian, right. had their properties confiscated. And if they were captured, they were killed. Okay. Yeah. Good. Cicero is a major figure who we 
have been glossing over a lot, and people are probably sad that we haven't mentioned him. Very important senator. He was killed during this. Mm, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it, it was not good. Lepidus even allowed his brother to be killed. Ooh. Yeah. He went all in. Yeah. This this was this was a bloody mess. The seizes uh the seized funds were then used to pay the legions so they could go off and fight the assassins. Makes sense. So the three men were wiping out their political enemies while making massive amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and much money. Making massive armies. Yes. Good. Yes, correct. So they're heading off to defeat Brutus and Gaius Cassius Longinus. Those are the two main assassins that they're heading over to Greece okay. to fight. So before heading off to war, as I mentioned, Octavian pushed to have Caesar deified and then began calling himself <laughs> Divi Filius, son of the divine. It's a great name. It's yes. a good move. He, you you know, know, and he has so many damn titles <laughs> like well, later we'll, we'll see how he gets augustus that's not even his name that's, that's just a, a title, title that we now call him. him history yeah okay yes so antony and octavian set out for greece brutus and cassius were waiting for them and they fought two major battles at philippi which antony won hmm. brutus actually overran octavian's camp after the first battle but thankfully octavian wasn't there oh hmm. yeah a little strange that you wouldn't be with your camp. I don't know. He's got a problem getting to places, apparently. Yeah. He's got- yeah. <laughs> so both uh, Longinus and Brutus committed suicide after the second battle was lost. I think Longinus committed suicide after the first battle, but they both committed suicide They're for like, fear of eh, being captured. Let's not get tortured to death. Yeah. So Antony obviously used this victory as a means of belittling Octavian because he was, he was barely there. Mm, he sent his right. friend Agrippa to help in the in the fighting like he doesn't even fight for himself okay was essentially the message remember the name agrippa agrippa all right very important and we will be talking about him a bit so with the assassins sorted the republic was split between the triumvirs antony took the east and shacked up with cleopatra in mm-hmm. egypt mm-hmm. um octavian took his uncle's conquered lands in gaul and hispania and lepidus got africa the smallest weakest province that doesn't matter much and we'll see that lepidus doesn't matter much (laughs) octavian had tens of thousands of troops from both sides of the civil war who were promised land for Mm -hmm. their service Mm -hmm. and there was no public land left to give out Mm, that's unfortunate so what do you think he did well it's either time to go conquer some more land or make some private land public yeah, uh, the second one. Okay. <laughs> and now, uh, bear in mind that in the future, conquer more land is very much in his in his <laughs> okay. repertoire. But for now, uh, he took around eighteen Roman settlements and forced the people to vacate them, so that his troops could have the land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go just find a different place to live. Yeah. Well, when your option is pissed off farmers or pissed off soldiers. Yeah, I guess. You yeah. piss off the farmers. Yeah. Because those soldiers are going to go farm too. That's fair. Yeah. So this angered a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. many in the Senate did not like this young man walking around with massive armies who could march on Rome at any time. This was made worse when Octavian requested a divorce from his wife. Oh, no. She was the daughter of Mark Antony's wife from another marriage okay and mark antony's brother who is a very powerful member in the senate lucius antonius uh raised an army to take octavian down this was the last straw 
Okay. No good. How do you think that went? Well, I know Octavian gets more titles, so I don't think he lost. You don't think this is the end? I, I told think you this so. is going to be about a two-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't think this is quite it. Oh, Octavian crushed the rebellion. Yeah, yeah well, executed three hundred senators for siding with Lucius. How many senators do they have? Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> so yes. many are just. And and hold on, real quick. I I said executed. Yeah. I meant sacrificed. Oh, well, good. A quote from <laughs> <Okay>. Suetonius. <laughs> He took vengeance on a host of prisoners, answering all who begged for pardon or offered excuses with the same words, you must die. It is said that 300 knights and senators were selected from among them as a human sacrifice at the altar of the god Julius. That seems like a problem. Yeah. <laughs> they, Roman, the Romans had... I can't express this well. They didn't do human sacrifice. No. It was no. not okay. Yeah. It was strictly outlawed at least 100 years before this and mm -hmm. was taboo as hell prior mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. So he executed 300 of the most powerful people in Rome, or sacrificed, to Julius Caesar. This was also on the anniversary of Caesar's assassination. Wow, how fitting. That's yeah. nice. That's poetry right there. So if you're keeping track... About 500 of the highest-ranking yeah. men in Rome have been killed in a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're right. There aren't that many senators. You know, <laughs> there are hundreds, but not thousands. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about Sextus Pompey. Sextus Pompey, huh? Yeah. What, what a Sextus. name. Sextus. <laughs> Got to emphasize that. Uh, this is one of Pompey the Great's sons okay. who is still kicking around. He's actually ruling his own chunk of the Republic in Sicily. He's got control of most of the islands around Italy. Okay. I believe including Corsica and uh, the other one up there that I can't remember the name of right now. He had the strongest navy of all the players at this point. Strong because the Romans don't do much navy stuff, mm -hmm. but Pompey was one of the one of the great naval leaders as well as military uh, infantry leaders. So his son had taken over um, Sicily and now controlled lots of stuff. So I just grabbed Jordan, the Julio-Claudian family tree that should be up on the website at uh, thegreatpodcast.net, assuming everything goes right and I actually get that working. Mm. So this is going to be um, important moving forward. So we have Pompey's son, Sextus, ruling Sicily, and mm -hmm. Octavian, in a shrewd move, marries a relative of him. I couldn't figure out what the relation was. It said a relative. Just a relative, all right. Named Scribonia. What a name. Yes. This was okay. done to secure this alliance and protect shipping routes to Italy. Because if he could block grain coming from Africa, Italy would starve. Good. That's that makes how sense. Italy was always fed. The two had a child, and Octavian divorced her the same day the <laughs> baby was born. <laughs> What a move. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Thanks for the kid. I'm going to go find someone else. Correct. So if you're looking at the um, the family tree, yep. you'll notice that with Scribonia, he has one child. Yep. And that is the only child he has. Oh. Okay. Yes. Her name is Julia, and yeah. she will be important later. Moving past that for now, though, he then married Livia Drusilla, who will mm -hmm. be a very important figure in our story. But. This obviously upset Sextus right. quite a bit, who then cut off the shipping routes to Italy so it would starve. He did this to force Octavian's hand, which worked, 
and Octavian granted him more islands in the Mediterranean and guarantee and a guaranteed consulship. But like Caesar before him, Octavian did not like being told what to do. Right. At all. So Octavian managed to get the triumvirate's term extended for another five years. This again, okay. this was an official thing right. that was four or five years, and they're like, but look, it's with still Sextus not there out yet. there, yeah. we're not settled yet. This isn't gonna go well. And this helped to grant further legitimacy to his rule. The longer you're in charge, the more people right. are, you know, it's just normal. Mm-hmm. But he called upon Antony for ships to help in the invasion of Italy or of Sicily, excuse me, because Antony was out in the east shacking up with Egypt mm-hmm. through Cleopatra, right. yep, yep. and Egypt actually had a navy. Yes. Still a separate kingdom at this point. Mm-hmm. So the deal with Antony was that Antony would send ships to help take Sicily, and then Octavian would send 20,000 men to Egypt so Antony could invade Parthia, because they're still trying to get that done. This is years later. <laughs> the ships came. Octavian teamed up with Lepitus given his close proximity to Sicily, to invade the island. Now, our boy Agrippa, we'll talk a little bit more Mm -hmm. about this in um, Mastery of Military Might, but Agrippa was actually in charge of the Navy and had been building up his own Navy. Okay. And it's kind of badass how he did it. So we'll talk about that later. But So Agrippa came in clutch yet again and destroyed the enemy fleet at the Battle of Nalachus. Nalachus. Something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, this is excellent. We won. Woohoo. Lepidus, who, again, was in charge of Africa and had helped with the invasion, saw this as his opportunity to not be the other guy in the triumvirate. Right. You got to make yourself known here. He claimed Sicily for himself and then demanded that Octavian leave and, and leave his legions. Come on, man. You know better. He must have been pretty disappointed when all his <laughs> troops kind of awkwardly shuffled over yeah, yeah. to Octavian's side. It's <laughs> like, I don't know, bro. This guy's got more power and fame and money. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so he's essentially kicked out because uh, Octavian exiled him. But he didn't kill him. And right. Lepidus got to remain Pontifus Maximus for the rest oh, of his life. Okay. So, well, you know, you know whatever. Like, you shot, you shot. Didn't work out. You get a comfortable life. Just chill. Yeah, just relax. Right. And that's yeah. the end of Lepidus. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you know, it could be worse. It, it's. I feel like we only really include him because it's nice to have a second triumvirate instead right. of two dudes. Well, but <laughs> I mean, that's still accurate, though. Fair. It was a second triumvirate. It was. It really was. So you remember those 20,000 legionaries that Octavian promised to send to Antony? Yes. He sent 2,000. Almost. It's you close. missed a zero. There's a zero not there. <laughs> Antony did not take kindly to this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, partially because of this, he did really poorly in his Parthia campaign. Oh. Yeah. So we still don't have those damn standards back. <sighs> it made him look really bad, too. Yeah, bet. Yeah, and here Octavian is winning everything, and Anthony can't even take out the Parthians. Like, Undermining him. Smart yeah. move. So, seeing he was going to get no help from Octavian, Antony turned to Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. In doing so, he also sent his wife, Octavia, back to Rome. Well, this is confusing now. Who do you think Octavia was? I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. Related to Octavian somehow, his sister. Okay, well, yeah. So he he sent back the one of the most powerful women mm-hmm. in favor of a foreign queen. Yo, 
Yeah. Yeah. So easy great. ammunition for yeah. the people in the West to go. Good Look what he's doing. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Octavian also proclaimed that all the civil warring should end now. Mm-hmm. We we settled it, and uh, he would step down as a triumvir, but only if Antony did. Yep. And Antony refused. Right. Right. Naturally. So now, again, Antony looks really bad. And they're like, this guy's just wanting to grab power. Yeah. Man, wow. He's just <laughs> yeah. really twisting, twisting the facts. That's good. So in an attempt to strengthen his image, Antony then went and captured the kingdom of Armenia. Okay. Okay, so all good. Yay. Captured for Victory. the Republic. Wait, mm-hmm. you want to give it to your son? Yeah, not the Republic. Wait. Come what he also gave titles to Cleopatra. He was clearly more interested in the status of his foreign queen than his own people. Well, yeah, he sent the his wife back. He's just given this new land to his son. Yeah. As always, not everyone in the Senate was against Antony, right. but so many defected from the oh, Senate okay. to because they saw the writing on the wall. This mm-hmm. is getting bad. But they're like, we're going to go over with Antony. But then Octavian did something very risky and very unacceptable. Oh. We need to talk for a moment about the Vestal Virgins. The Vestal Virgins. Is this one of those ancient groups of virgins that are just like holy women and they're pure and untouched? Yes. Okay. And and so respected and right. revered that all the important documents of Roman society are kept in their house. Oh. Because they wouldn't do anything with them. Because, right, it's impossible. And no one would touch They're the Vestal pure. Virgins. Oh, boy. Right. They also, in their important documents files, kept all the wills of the important people. So Octavian burst into the Temple of Vesta one day oh, and took Antony's will. Ugh. This, it cannot be understated, was a no-no. Right. Well, I mean, he already sacrificed 300 people. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. Might as well just ruin everything else that's sacred and holy. For sure. And if he hadn't found something super juicy, he probably would have... <laughs> this probably would have been the end. There's All a right. good chance that people would have said, nope. So he found more in the will that's going to be painted against the people. Oh, yeah. To help, help yeah. buffer that. All he, right. he not only took Antony's will, he published it. In the forum. Oh, good. Let's yeah. put it up. Hey, take a look. See? I'm not yep. lying. <laughs> so, Antony's will declared that on his death, many of the conquered Roman lands yeah. would be granted to his Egypt? sons. Oh, okay. Who were the sons of Cleopatra. Whoa. Yeah. 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 He had some sons that were older and from other wives. But, but he didn't care about them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, now he's pledging Roman lands to a foreign leader. Setting up foreign kingdoms all around yeah. the Republic. Yeah. yeah. For his own benefit. Yeah. And that doesn't look good. Queen. It does That looks real not. bad. <laughs> Anthony's consular powers were stripped. Yeah. And the Senate declared war on Egypt. Oh, God. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. They, they would not stand for a Roman man to be bewitched by some foreign whore. That's what happened, too. Yep, I'm that's, that is exactly <laughs> I'm what sure. happened. Yeah. So confident that Definitely that's the, the truth. Definitely the woman's fault. Always. You yeah, will see, no, no, no. You will see a lot was of that. It, yeah, wasn't the couldn't have been the man. <laughs> no, 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 no. He was bewitched. That's right. She was beautiful. Right. How dare she? Oh so this is a trend you will see throughout oh, this series. History is great. So... Octavian crossed the Adriatic Sea with his army. That's going over to Greece again. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Agrippa, 
leading with his newly formed fleet. Antony and Cleopatra were in Greece at the time, and the plan was to cut them off from escaping back to Egypt with their okay. own fleets. Many of Antony's men soon realized that they were surrounded on land and sea and began deserting to Octavian's side. <laughs> well, there you go. Seeing this, Antony tried to break the naval blockade and book it back to Egypt. But, as mentioned, Agrippa was leading the fleet, and yeah. you don't mess with Agrippa. Yeah, he seems like a, kind of like a badass. Yeah, he's he's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if 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 we had the time and the desire, we could do a full episode on Agrippa. We'll see. But we'll, we'll cover quite a bit of him here. So the Battle of Actium was a pretty decisive thing. It took a lot of fighting, but uh, let's just say that Agrippa outnumbered Antony and had better ships. So mm. Antony lost. No good there. Antony only managed to escape with his life because Cleopatra swooped in with her own fleet and got mm. him out of there, basically while the rest of their army was dying or deserting. <laughs> So the two noped back to Egypt, but the writing was already kind of on the wall. Octavian gave chase and beat their remaining forces in Alexandria, but he lost like 20,000 men to desertion as soon as Octavian showed up in Egypt. So Oh, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah. did, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, they are Roman, right? So they're like, yeah. oh, I don't know. This seems kind of sketch. <laughs> seems kind of Egyptian. Yeah, I don't know about this. I don't know, man. <laughs> so suicide seemed like the best course for the two lovers at this point. Uh, Antony actually thought that Cleopatra was already dead, so he fell oh. on his sword. That's like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Yep. <laughs> but to his surprise, Cleopatra was still alive. <laughs> As he fell on his sword. <laughs> yeah. So like he's bleeding. So he didn't kill. He didn't die right away. He stabbed himself in the abdomen. He's so bleeding uh, out. He's, he was brought to her. <laughs> And oh, then, uh, no. yeah, he got to bleed to death in her arms. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's kind of nice for him, but yeah. So, quote from uh, Suetonius here on Cleopatra's death: "Wishing to preserve Cleopatra's life so she might adorn his triumph, uh, Octavian had a sily snake charmer brought, believing her to be dying from the bite of an asp." To suck the poison from her self-inflicted wound, it would also be venom. But um, the there's a myth, and it's uh, it's impossible to know. Either right. she poisoned herself, or she had an asp brought in to bite her, so she would die. Interesting. And then there's a separate story of the asp, where either she had it bite her breast directly, or she had it in a uh, bowl of figs, like a basket, and then would just reach in to grab them. And then, you know, so the death would kind of come. Interesting. Surprisingly. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. There's just a few stories. That's what I want to do. If I want to commit suicide, I need it to surprise me. It's just, it's just, <laughs> just a, a shotgun to, on the other side of a yeah, door, but you don't know what up, door. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, just got random traps. I don't know where they are, but <laughs> one of these will get me. Yeah. So it didn't work. They didn't get the they didn't get the venom out. So Cleopatra well, yeah, died. Right now, to his credit, Octavian buried both of them in the tomb that they were building for each other. Um, and then he killed yeah. Antony's eldest son. Well, but spared the rest because they were still children. Okay. And then he turned his attention to Caesarian. Okay. Do you remember Caesarian? It's a name that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned very briefly that while Caesar was shacking up with Cleopatra, mm -hmm. they had a son. Okay. And his name was Caesarian. Okay. But he's also known as Ptolemy the Fifteenth, and he was at this time uh, seventeen and co-ruling Egypt with his mother. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay. So now we have kind of a problem. Right. Wait. Okay, so that's Caesar's son, which makes this his cousin. No. One of his cousins. Yeah, somewhere it's in Somewhere there. removed. Yeah. Because yeah, he's his, Caesar's great nephew, yes. right? Yes, yep. 
Yeah, you know, it's somewhere. Yeah, he's, okay. some, he's, he's something. related. <laughs> he's related, but he's he's more related to Caesar than Octavian is. Yes. Yep. Directly. <laughs> so what do you think he did? Remember that Caesar had a great love for clemency. He did. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think he just probably didn't just murder him because he seems also kind of like a guy, a guy that doesn't really just want to murder all of his people against him. Really, he's know. he's slaughtered five hundred senators already. Well, true. Yeah. Oh, he executed him. He did. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Um. Oh, and I don't have the quote here. Dang. There's a. There's a. There's a quote that he said about it about killing Caesarian that I don't have and I can't remember it. So I'm was, not going to butcher it. But it was it was pretty brutal. Was he uh, basically like there shouldn't be two Caesars? There can't be. Did he at least have grief over it? No. 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 See, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I can rank anybody higher than uh, the OG Caesar. Man, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so another another quote from Suetonius before before uh, uh, C- uh, all the names. Yeah. Augustus Caesar, Octavian. Uh-huh. Um, before Octavian left Egypt, here's what Suetonius had to say. At this time, he ordered the sarcophagus containing Alexander the Great's mummified body to be removed from its shrine and. After gazing at the body, placed a golden crown on its brow and strewed it with flowers as a mark of respect. Asked if he would like to see the tomb of the Ptolemies next, he replied, I wished to see a king, not a row of corpses. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> and he had just killed the last king of Egypt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Savagery. So there's a there's a different quote <laughs> that I think is also pretty poignant. It was at this point that Egypt went from kingdom to Roman province. Yeah, that sounds yep. about right. <laughs> yep. So he Octavian set his soldiers to clearing irrigation canals and uh, helping set up Egypt as the breadbasket of the republic. Now this is huge. This Egypt would go on to be the main source of food for mm-hmm. Italy and then later Constantinople mm-hmm. for centuries. Mm-hmm. This was this was a big turning point. So now he's in a position to rule all of Rome. Right. No one's really able to stop him at this point. But Octavian had learned from Caesar's mistakes. He would not force the Senate to name him king or dictator. However, he could not relinquish the power he had gained. Because mm-hmm. someone's going to kill him if he does. Right. Yeah, just it's just how it's going to go. The Republic had spent nearly a century in one civil war or another. This has been just a terrible time. And finally... Octavian is here as the one person who could stabilize it. Just the great uniter, this yeah. man. Yeah. And this is kind of where Caesar was, but Caesar then went power hungry and was very openly uh, antagonistic to the Senate and everything. Well, yeah, he very was very crass of, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. So Octavian's plan was to put on a constant charade of deference to Republican ideals. Oh, yeah, this, this is the Republic. Yeah. He said. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Sure. 100%. I was elected here. Uh, and what's funny is the, like, four centuries to come, they do not change that. This is the Republic. That's funny. Even with emperors for funny. a thousand years, the, we are talking about the Republic <laughs> no, no, of Rome. No, 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 Definitely a Republic. Yeah. So in 27 BC, Octavian returned all the powers granted to him by the Senate during the Civil War. Sure he did. However... Sure. <laughs> Here's what he had going for him. So he held or had held many powerful positions in the government. Mm -hmm. 
While he no longer had direct control of the provinces and armies, his veterans still loved him. He was also the richest man in Rome by this point, because mm-hmm. pretty much everyone he killed, he had taken all their wealth. Right. And many people also owed their positions and wealth directly to him. Right. So a very powerful position to be in. Lots of money, lots of people in his debt. And we should clarify that, quote, gave up all his power <laughs> did not actually mean that. Yeah. <laughs> he made a show of giving back all the titles he had been granted during the years of the triumvirate. The Senate then insisted, oh, God, no, you must yes. keep these positions. On their own, for sure. They How liked could them we so much. possibly <laughs> accept your resignation? Right, right, right. Qu- like, imagine this is them. Why not just run all the provinces we've conquered in the last century? Huh? Like, we think you're the perfect man for the job. Yeah, that's definitely how it is. And after some loud reluctance, <laughs> Octavian had no choice but to accept. What a good way to do that. Yeah. That's smart. Yep. I call this section the Shadow Emperor. There you go. Yeah. yeah that's good. Uh, this is known as the first settlement with the Senate. And uh, he was given most of the provinces um, in the Republic for 10 years, which made him insanely powerful. He was essentially in charge of over half the Republic by himself. He also then had control of 20 legions. Okay. The Senate only had control of five or six. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was around this time that the Senate granted Octavian the titles of Princeps, which means first man. This is actually the title that he went by most of the time in his life. Okay. Because he wanted to be first among equals. That was the the role Mm -hmm. that he was putting forward. And Augustus. Okay. Which means approximately illustrious to be august mm-hmm. um which is what we call him today and that title would be would go on to mean emperor essentially you are the augustus gotcha yep so that's where this happens now he was truly becoming what we think of as emperor however he took great pains to keep the appearance of democracy going mm-hmm. he would not wear a crown or hold a scepter like a king uh, he did not live in a large palace or wear incredibly fine clothes. However, he did maintain his position as one of the two consuls for many years. Just to like, mm-hmm. I am in charge and here's why, because I'm a consul. Not an emperor. Not an emperor, but I am no. the consul <laughs> over and over and over again. Okay. This made a lot of people question his position. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> it's supposed to be a year. And then right? you're done for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. This has a negative side effect of frustrating many senators since their odds of becoming a consul, mm-hmm. which is what they're all striving to do. Yeah, that's like has the been pinnacle of their career. Exactly. Yeah. And now one man's getting it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It was around this time that Augustus got very ill. Oh, no. Death was truly knocking at his door. Now, he's been uh, he's a sickly man mm-hmm. his whole life. Many illnesses hit him. and th- But this was a big one where it truly did look like he was going to die. And having no solid heir at the time, he handed his signet ring to Agrippa. Okay. Yes. Um, well, this was not official because how, how could a democracy have an heir? Yeah, you can't pass an heir down to yeah. an elected role. That's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, this was a democracy. Right. Republic. But here's my ring just in case I die. <laughs> It was clear what was happening. Mm-hmm. Everyone understood. And Agrippa was even given proconsular power. Remember, that's a, like a governorship right. of a lot of provinces yeah. at this time. Not as much as Augustus, but it was clear like, hey, if I die, mm-hmm. you're going to start listening to my main general and best friend. Mm-hmm. But Augustus survived. Pulled through. 
And after his illness, Augustus decided to step down from being consul. Other people deserved the spot, and he could see that it was kind of becoming a problem. Mm -hmm. And some senators were getting a bit yappy, so he wanted to just kind of get them to shut up. So, that's it. He gave up his power and retired peacefully, becoming an ordinary senator. That's not it. Nope, just <laughs> kidding. Not, that's not it. <laughs> While he gave up his consular power, he was still in charge of all of those provinces and their legions. Mm. He had a he had proconsular power within all of those provinces, which mm -hmm. means the only person that could really say anything to him were consuls. Okay. But within his province, he was the consul. Yeah, okay. You know, that's essentially what this means. As consul, he had had authority over proconsuls mm -hmm. of provinces ruled by the senators. But now he didn't. Right. Not well, not officially, anyways. And that leads us to the Marcus Primus affair. So Marcus Primus was a proconsul of Macedonia. Okay. This is a senatorial province, mm -hmm. not one that Caesar or that uh, Octavian rules. Or Augustus. We're going to start calling him Augustus. He was brought to trial for starting a war with a kingdom in Thrace. This is Marcus Primus. Thrace was an ally to the Senate. Augustus was accused of giving the order to attack, and mm. this was a problem. Mm -hmm. Since Macedonia was a senatorial province and Augustus was not consul, right. he had no authority to give any orders to Marcus That's Primus. Right. Obviously, Augustus denied the accusations. Mm -hmm. The story was then soon changed. Marcus Primus was found guilty, and Augustus was found innocent. But this left a really glaring problem. What if Augustus had been involved? Which he probably was. But what if they had right. found out yeah. and accused him yeah, of being yeah. involved? What could the Senate do to stop him if he decided that he wanted consular power across the Republic? Nothing. So what do you think the Senate did at this point? Elected him into power? They granted him permanent consular power over all the provinces. There you go. <laughs> like I said, sometimes it's just like, oh, what, what, what if he did? Maybe yeah. we should just let him. Yeah, like, let's not get another civil war. Let's just keep the peace. <laughs> yeah. So this this is uh, known as the Second Settlement, okay. where essentially he's given full power. Yeah. And historians don't agree on when officially he becomes emperor because it's mm -hmm. not a real title yet. Right. This is where I consider the Republic to become the empire when he's granted just full power, power over the whole republic everything yeah i mean yeah yep <laughs> that makes so, sense. so here it is i believe this is in 23 bc okay so that's that's about it for there, there's a lot more that he does mm -hmm. uh, and we'll cover that more in the um the ranking section of military and success and stuff but now i think it's important that we look at his family and the people around him because more than many other emperors, his success is his ability to pick the right people to do things. Okay. So let's take a look at the man himself first. And we will start with a quote from Suetonius talking about how short he is. So <laughs> his short stature was concealed by the fine proportions and symmetry of his figure. It is said that his body was covered with spots and that he had birthmarks scattered over his breast and belly. Also, numerous callous places resembling ringworm caused by a constant itching of his body and a vigorous use of his striggle, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds dirty. A striggle. Yeah. He complained of his bladder, too, and was relieved of the pain only after passing stones in his urine. Well, there you go. Going back to kind of a sickly person. Yeah. But he lives a long time. Uh, he was unwell throughout most of his life, as I mentioned, and had several near-death experiences throughout so let's talk about his wives right 
and this is where it's important to have the uh, the family tree because it, this does get a little bit confusing. So his first marriage was to Claudia, which was Mark Antony's stepdaughter. Okay. Um, okay. Nothing important really came of this marriage except that it really pissed Antony off when Augustus <laughs> divorced her. <laughs> okay. But they didn't have any children or anything. Exactly. Uh, he, quote, returned her untouched, I believe is how he said it. Like she was still Yikes. a virgin. They hadn't <laughs> consummated. All right. So the second marriage was to Scribonia. Yes. This was Sextus Pompeius's relative. Mm -hmm. Unsure exactly mm -hmm. how. They were married almost exactly a year. And on the day Augustus, or not Augustus, yeah. on the day Scribonia gave, gave birth, birth to Julia, Augustus divorced her. Oh, good job. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to find a different place to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he found Livia Drusilla. Mm -hmm. She would be the love of his life and stay with him until he died. Wow. Now, she already had two sons okay. by another man who Augustus had actually defeated in the wars. And he politely said, hey... How about you divorce her so I can marry her? To which uh, I believe it's Tiberius Claudius Nero is his name. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's like, sure. Yeah. So she had two sons by him, Tiberius and Drusus the Elder. Okay. So that's where we are. We've got Augustus with Scribonia had one child, Julia. Mm-hmm. And then Augustus married Livia Drusilla, who already had two sons, Tiberius and Drusus. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that brings us up to speed. Now, we hear through the grapevine that Augustus and uh, Livia really loved each other. And they worked very hard together to maintain this charade and keep up public image so that Augustus could stay in power. Of their love together? or the Yeah, it was important okay. to show the unity of the emperor and the empress. And we'll talk about it in a bit. But family values was their thing. Like that, you know, hardcore conservative. Gotcha. This is this is how you should behave. Okay. Yeah. Forget about the sacrifices. Yeah. We're doing the thing. And also forget about Augustus being a prolific womanizer. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. Fine. It's fine. Livia's cool with it. it does. <laughs> do Jeez. as I say, not as I do. That's right. <sighs> so while running around being a very, very prolific womanizer, Augustus was publicly pushing for a very conservative society. <laughs> Yeah, family values uh, is a phrase we hear in the modern right. day, uh, but he pushed them very hard, and the penalty was death <laughs> for not following. <laughs> Come on. So man. like most modern politicians, he had no issues with him not following right, these right, rules. Right, right. The purpose was to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he actually executed a freedman, a former slave who had been freed, who was his friend. For sleeping with aristocratic women. Oh, for just to prove a point. Yeah. This was a breach of the social order. Yeah. So, um, according to Michael Kerrigan in A Dark History of the Roman Emperors, which I will reiterate from last week, I don't know how accurate this book is. It's a full textbook on the dark things Romans did, but take a little bit of it with mm -hmm. a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. He felt so strongly about the potential upheaval to society that adultery could cause that Augustus brought in legislation outlawing it. A husband who caught his wife with a lover was legally entitled to kill them both. The same right existed for a father who caught his daughter in adultery. A husband who learned of his wife's infidelity had not just a right, but a duty to divorce her within 60 days and she would be banished. <laughs> Notice that this is all those evil women. Why can't they keep well, their yeah. legs together? Not... Why are these guys all sleeping around? 
Well, yeah, why would the guy do that if the woman wasn't enticing him right. on purpose? The <laughs> only time that it matters what a man does is if he's of a lower class. Yeah. Similar to the homosexuality God. thing we discussed right. before. Right. It's like, you can have gay sex, it's fine, just you better be on top. Right. Or you are not a man. It was essentially... Wild. Yeah, it, it's very strange. These laws on marriage and infidelity appear to have been ineffectual as one might expect, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't do too much. The aim was to increase marriage rates and children born. Okay. Because civil increase wars really hurt populations. So do mass execution, sacrifices. Yes. Sorry, not executions. Yes. <laughs> and famine caused there by the go. civil wars. <laughs> and yeah, it's just not good. So let's talk about his daughter, Julia, because she's very interesting. His only child. Right. By the time Julia was uh, a married, quote, adult, mm -hmm. it was clear her children were probably going to become the heirs to Augustus's power, since he had no other biological children. She was first married at age 14 to her first cousin, who's not on our map because he's not very important. Yes, you heard that right. The first cousin. Yeah. It's a little close in the relation, but you know. A little bit. Marcus Claudius Marcellus. Uh, Agrippa, Agrippa actually officiated the wedding while Augustus was off fighting in Spain. So again, you can see how close mm -hmm. Agrippa is to the family. And Marcellus was clearly going to assume Augustus's power, but then he died two years later. Then he died. Yes. You'll, you'll see that is a reoccurring theme. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like unfortunate. Uh, oh, no. He just got sick planned. and died. Oh, his was just no, you'll unfortunate. See that that fam the reason I have that family tree is because we're going to be talking about a lot of people who should have been the next emperor died. who then died. <laughs> and, they, and they died. Yes. And it's so gone. with no children from this marriage, Augustus moved quickly to get Julia remarried mm -hmm. right away. So who do you... Don't look at the thing. <laughs> Listen, it's too late. I, I wrote, I've been seeing... I saw the name a long time ago. So, so so who did okay? So who did she marry? Looks like Agrippa's right there. Marcus Agrippa, baby, the best friend. Yep. So she was around eighteen, and he was twenty-five years older. You know, I really thought for some reason I really thought you were gonna say he was twenty-five. I'm like, wow, he was really young yeah, nope, to be fucking nope. all those people up. Nope, no, twenty-five old. years okay. older. Well, yep. So he's I mean, around yeah, forty. That's I don't know. I imagine fairly common for the time, anyways. Right now, she hated it. Yeah, because her her first cousin was attractive and young. Oh, and, and now this old man that your dad and smokes on the weekends and, with. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Fair. But you'll notice that they had quite a few children. Mm -hmm. Yes, so they this dislike between each other did not stop the baby making. Right. So they had. Uh, I'll just name them quickly in no particular order: Gaius Caesar, mm -hmm. Julia the Younger, Lucius Caesar. Agrippina the Elder, and Agrippa Posthumus. Mm. So those are the, the five children. Now, when Agrippa died in 12 BC, Augustus then forced Julia to marry her stepbrother, Tiberius. Oh my God. <laughs> so Tiberius is the eldest son of Livia Drusilla, right. Augustus's mm -hmm. wife, the, from her first marriage. The non-empress empress. empress. Right. Gotcha. So they're step-siblings. Step-bro, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. And this uh, this was bad. This was a bad thing to do because Tiberius was happily married. Oh. Very happily married and really upset Man. that he was being forced to divorce. Augustus yeah. made a lot of people divorce so that he could have his marriages. In his, conserv yeah. in his very yes. conservative family value society, yes. you must divorce your loving yeah. marriage. It was, yeah, it was not good. And Julia was pissed. 
She despised Tiberius. Well, by one account, she despised Tiberius. By another, Tiberius just despised her and she didn't get it. She was like, why? <laughs> so it's kind of hard to tell. But Tiberius was so upset about being forced to divorce that at one point he actually saw his former wife and followed her for blocks Oh, okay. Through the streets. And then Augustus, like, said, if you see her again, I will kill her. Uh, <laughs> you cannot see her. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. He was. Tiberius is a very sad man. Yeah. That's a rough life right there. It, yeah. Uh, so this marriage would only produce one child who would die in infancy. So you'll see well. there's nothing on the <laughs> nothing on there worth talking about. It's a rough one. As mentioned, Augustus was pushing family values throughout his reign. So wouldn't it be a shame if his daughter was out having blatant affairs and partying publicly with men? It wouldn't would. That, wouldn't that just be awful? It would be a shame. <laughs> yeah. So after many years of turning a blind eye to Julia's indiscretions, Augustus rounded up many of her lovers. Oh. Many of her lovers. Did he, did he kill them all? One was even a son of Antony. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I imagine, I, I have a feeling that that one was by design to piss her father off. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Many of these men were exiled, but a few were forced to commit suicide, including oh, Anthony's son. Forced to commit suicide. Yeah, that's another theme. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to execute you, but maybe it would be best. I kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Maybe, maybe you not being alive would be a good right, thing. Right, Yeah. Her marriage to Tiberius was annulled, and she was sent into exile. <laughs> uh, quote from Michael Kerrigan, again, that dark history. She was exiled, sent to the offshore island of Pandateria with Scribonia, her mother. Mm. She was allowed no contact with men and no luxuries, even wine. <laughs> Augustus, deeply embittered, would never refer to her thereafter except as his cancer. Oh, God. Underneath <laughs> his anger appears to have been very real hurt. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying very hard. <laughs> to do something very important and she just can't fall in line is how he sees it right she just won't let me dominate her life and i don't yeah. understand why yeah well now th there's a theory that the reason he finally put a stop to all this was because antony's son was actually involved in a plot with julia to basically become the heir okay yeah so he finally was like, you know what? I can't. I can't put up with this anymore. I'm done with this. Maybe if he didn't force her to keep marrying these people, right? So she would remain in exile for a few years, even after Augustus's death. And then it was likely that the next emperor had her and another of her former lovers executed. But oh. the details are sparse. All right. So while in exile, she was executed. Cool. <laughs> but I won't say who the next emperor is because I don't think you know who it is. And we'll get there. It'll be a fun, fun mystery. Needless to say, she did not have a peaceful death. No. Or a peaceful life, really. Right. So now we need to talk, more importantly, about the succession. Because at this point, it's clear. Mm -hmm. He's in charge, and someone's going to take over after. Right. And we need that to be figured out, or it's just going to be Before civil war. Before he dies, yeah. Right. With no male children of his own, Augustus relied on Julia's children. Right. He's got grandkids. Yep. So let's three, take a look at that. grandsons. That so first came Gaius. And uh -huh. then Lucius. Uh -huh. When the second grandson was born, Augustus adopted both of them. Oh, okay. And took their education into his own hands. He was like, okay, you are now mine. What about Agrippa? He's not born yet. No, no, no. The the man, he died, yeah? He died Agrippa, in 12 his BC. his best friend? Yes. Yeah, okay. So while, that's actually my next point. So while the boys were very young, mm -hmm. their father, Agrippa, mm -hmm. was the heir apparent. Yes. He was going to be the heir yeah. until he died in 12 BC. Mm -hmm. It was clear that these boys are not going to last long 
if Augustus died before they came of age. Oh, yeah, no. They'd like, just be killed. Just little boys. Yeah, yeah. You, what are you going to do? This is why Augustus forced Tiberius, his stepson, mm-hmm. to divorce his wife and marry Julia. Because then he was the guardian of gotcha. the boys. Okay. And it's important to mention that by this point, Tiberius is a, a war, like a famed general. Mm-hmm. I haven't mentioned much about that, but like he is very, he could be the heir. Okay. But he's just not part of the bloodline. So Augustus is like, ah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this family is the Julio-Claudian dynasty. You can see it there in the corner. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the Julius Caesar side and then Livia Drusilla's side is the right. Claudian family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's where all this is. So Augustus is just trying to keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. So with Tiberius now the adoptive father of Gaius and Lucius, things look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about both these boys. So Gaius and Lucius grew up to be very popular. They were charismatic and very good at what they did. Um, they were kind of spoiled brats, as one would expect for yeah. royal princes. <laughs> But Gaius did become a good leader in his early adult life. In 1 BC, so this is quite a few years after his dad died, Mm -hmm. uh, at age 19, he was given command of the eastern provinces. And here he oversaw a peace deal with the king of Parthia. So he's doing a lot. He's clearly being given important roles. Then in 1 AD, he got his first consulship. And clearly the royal family is being Mm fast-tracked for this kind of stuff. Um, During this time, however, his little brother Lucius died of a sudden illness Mm. At age 18. So yes. that's one air down. So Dang. you can go ahead. I gave you a red pen. We're going to start crossing names off. I guess you can cross You're off dead. Agrippa. You're dead. Yep. Sad day. Yep. So lots of people dropping. This left Gaius as the sole uh, heir to the empire. And he's still the eldest of the grandkids. Yeah, so. Sure is. So in 3 AD, Gaius was putting down a rebellion in Armenia. Mm-hmm. He was called in uh, into one of the rebelling cities to meet with their leader and discuss terms. Oh. But it was a trap. No! <laughs> Gaius was severely wounded and barely escaped. His lieutenants managed to get him out of the city. Oh, man. Yeah. The city was then taken by force mm-hmm. after heavy fighting. Everything seemed okay at first, but then as the weeks went on, Gaius fell more and more ill. Dang, and, infection. And, like, started to break mentally. Yeah. And this, Ill, this, this wound lasted a long time. By 4 AD, he told his grandfather Augustus that he wished to retire from public life. He was in so much pain and was so beaten by this that he died shortly after. Ugh. Augustus tried very hard to be like, no, no, no. It's like you like you can't give up. Yeah. You have to keep You'll going. You'll be fine. <laughs> so you can go ahead and cross off he's guys. Dead and he's gone. Yep. And it's gone. So these, these men had been trained for the last 20 years yeah. almost yeah. in preparation for this. And now they're dead. Perfect. Yeah. All right, number three. So Agrippa Posthumus. There you go. So as ding, you can ding, probably ding. tell by the name Posthumus, he he was born shortly after Agrippa, his father, had died. Mm. So that's why they call him Agrippa Posthumus. So after the death of the heirs, Augustus scrambled to yeah. fill the void because he's getting older yeah. at this point. The and, time is running out. Yeah. So Agrippa Posthumus was the youngest grandchild uh, of Augustus. He was not given the same honors or political advancement as his older brothers. Mm-hmm. He was not given the same uh, education. Just kind of the neglected one, huh? Yeah. He was also not adopted. Right, yeah. But this was actually intentional so that he could carry on Agrippa's line. Okay. He was essentially Agrippa's heir. Yeah. And, you know, Augustus didn't want to take that from him. With little option, though, he named him heir in 4 AD. Augustus named Agrippa heir. Sorry, I should say posthumous, so it's less confusing. Well, Agrippa, the Agrippa Sr. is dead. Yeah, Agrippa Sr. is dead. (laughs) And Agrippa Posthumous is a child. Yeah. 
But he was not named heir to the empire. He was uh, not going to ascend to imperial power. He would just inherit Augustus's fortune, not his authority as princeps. Okay. Yeah. But that didn't matter anyway. Yeah. Because it's not exactly clear why. Augustus banished his grandson to a small island in the Mediterranean. The main theory <laughs> is that he was such an angry brutish little dickhead <laughs> with a taste for violence and nothing else oh. that augustus just couldn't stand him he was just a spoiled neglected kid that got angry yeah. had power and money and wanted to kill people yep All so right. I, I think he was in his late teens when he was banished oh my god yeah yeah and it was bad he he augustus instructed the senate to surround the island with guards and never let him out Ever. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) He was killed by his guards shortly after Augustus' death. For trying to escape, I'm sure. No. No. There's air quotes here. The the next emperor needed no pretext for killing him. Oh, okay. Well, right. Yeah. (laughs) So so you can can cross off a grip of posthumous if you haven't because he doesn't. Yeah, he'll be dead by the end of this. That's unfortunate. All three of his best friend's kids, huh? So, yeah, that's... And and his grandkids. Right. Yep. You know. So that's all the grandchildren down. Who do you think is next in line? I mean, technically Tiberius. So, yeah, Livia Drusilla has two sons. Yeah. I, Tiberius and Drusus, who are both very accomplished yeah. military leaders. Yeah, they're already pretty, yeah. pretty prepped for leadership. And, again, the only reason Augustus didn't want them in. They weren't directly in the bloodline. And they're a bit older. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they were already born by the time mm-hmm. Augustus was doing this stuff. So let's talk about Drusus then. Okay. As I mentioned, he was a great military leader. And I'm going to give you a, a fairly long quote here from just Wikipedia. Because Drusus did a lot that you'll also want to remember for Mastery of Military Might for Augustus later. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this was him. He launched the first major Roman campaigns across the Rhine and began the conquest of Germania, becoming the first Roman general to reach the Wesser and Elbe rivers. In 12 BC, it's the same year Agrippa died, mm-hmm. Drusus led a successful campaign into Germania, subjugating the Sicambri. Later that year, he led a naval expedition against the Germanic tribes along the North Sea coast, conquering the Batavi and Frisii and defeating the Chaucy near the mouth of the Wesser. In 11 BC, he conquered the Eusipetes and the Marci, extending Roman control to the upper Wesser. In 10 BC, he launched a campaign against the Chati and the resurgent Sicambri, subjugating both. The following year, while serving as consul, he conquered the Matachi and defeated the Macromani and the Cherusi, the latter near the Elbe. So basically, all of the Germanic tribes. Yeah, this man he, is just expanding the borders. Yes. So you'll see that Drusus the Elder on our map has mm-hmm. a son called Germanicus. Yes. So whenever they have an Icus at the end of a name, it means conqueror of. Oh, okay. So conqueror of Germany, he actually like passed that title to his son. Interesting. So Drusus the Elder really did it, and then he gave that title to his son. Gotcha. So that's not his real name, mm-hmm. but that's a title. So, along with Tiberius, his brother, Drusus did a ton of fighting mm-hmm. and did very well. However, in 9 BC, at age 29, Drusus fell from his horse and suffered a great Come injury. Come on, man. Yeah. You've been riding horses forever. Yeah. So, Tiberius rushed across the yeah, Republic right. yeah. to see his brother because he lived for a month. 
but once Tiberius got there, he died. Yeah, so He's poor gone. Tiberius, too. He, what a terrible life that guy's had. Yeah. He had it all and lost it all. Yeah. <laughs> That's and rough. Just, just awful. Oh, and though he died young, he was the father to one future emperor yep. and grandfather to another. So, okay. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I, for for those who aren't looking at the family tree, several emperors have kind of their famous nickname, mm-hmm. and I've not put those on the family tree. So Jordan can't even if he did know their famous name, he's not going to tell who they are. Correct. Yeah. So Tiberius. Highly decorated military leader, as I said, alongside his brother, fought many campaigns in Germania and the Alps and other places, put down revolts. He did a lot. Mm -hmm. Very successful. He spent most of his early life winning wars for his stepfather, Augustus. The death of his brother took a great toll on him, as did Augustus forcing him to divorce the love of his life and marry a woman he despised who cheated on Mm -hmm. him and made a fool of him. Mm -hmm. Tiberius and Augustus did not get along on a personal level. I can't understand why. I don't know why. I don't get it. You should really put all this behind you, Tiberius. He longed to be with his former wife, and he loathed Julia. He was tired and wished to escape public life. Mm -hmm. This was at the height of his military and political career. He had just been married to the emperor's daughter. Yeah. He was winning, 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 and then he said... I want to go. Yeah, he's like, I'm good, man. I just want to go. Retiring. <laughs> go live on an island, please. Yeah. Augustus refused. Right. And Tiberius went on hunger strike. <laughs> nice. So his mother, Livia, the wife of Augustus, mm-hmm. uh, spoke in favor of Tiberius, and Augustus relented. Like he had been, go- Augustus had been going to the Senate and basically decrying Tiberius as a coward. Oh, okay. And saying he wants to give up. He's a mm-hmm. quitter. But he finally gave up, and Tiberius went off to the island of Rhodes in self-imposed exile. And now, again, to keep this clear, this is before Gaius and Lucius died. Right. So he's off doing mm-hmm. his thing in around 4 Is BC. this before or after Julia was banished? This is, I believe she got banished shortly after he left. Okay. Because he's been basically trying to stay away from her. Yeah. On campaign. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So then she gets banished, and yeah, and then his marriage is annulled mm-hmm, and yeah mm-hmm. so he had wanted to come back a few times but augustus was like no you decided to leave yeah you left on your own so you, you just stay out of here <laughs> but then you fast forward to 4 ad both his grandsons are dead <laughs> I need, I need posthumus is a little shit so yeah, yeah, i need a fucking heir <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, so, hey you want to come back again i mean yeah so tiberius was recalled yeah. and adopted by augustus making him officially his son yeah um so with the added bonus that tiberius would also adopt his nephew germanicus okay as his own heir okay this is again the son of the late drusus the Mm -hmm. elder thus the succession was once again secure and spoiler alert this one sticks there you go so tiberius is our next emperor okay so the death of augustus dun 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 yeah so augustus died on august 19th in 14 AD, he was just shy of 76 years old. That's an old, sickly man. Yeah. For someone who's battled disease their whole life and let and lived that long at that time. Yeah. Yeah. He just he just survived off of pure anger. <laughs> yes. Yes. And willpower. Just yeah. I just want to be in charge. This needs to stick, or we'll all have been for nothing. God. So some say he reigned, as I mentioned earlier, from the first settlement in mm-hmm. 27 BC. I feel he wasn't truly emperor until the second settlement in 23 right. BC. When he was given direct, full, entire power. Right. Either way, 
Uh, he ruled for around 40 years. Yeah. This would be the longest reign for centuries to come. It's a good, yeah. No one would even come close to touching this until much later. And the person who then later beat him started as a two-year-old. So wasn't really in charge <laughs> okay, for so most like, of it. The advisors were all in charge. Correct. Okay. There's a period in Roman history where generals basically yeah. rule in the background. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's where we get longer reigns. This was truly him. And, you know, if you count earlier where he's building the power, it's mm-hmm. even longer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, around 40 years. And it's crazy. The succession was then smooth. A lot of people hated Tiberius, which we'll cover briefly <laughs> next week. But he was already co-emperor essentially in these later years because I mean Augustus yeah. was getting old and right. tired and needed someone to actually take over. Yeah, and losing it a little bit. Not not yeah. like going crazy, but you know, old it's age. Old man. Your so, brain starts going to mush. Tiberius becomes emperor and that's it. So what do you what do you think before we hop into our, our rounds? What do I think in of general? Augustus. Of Augustus. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Not as good as uh Caesar. Was he yeah Caesar <laughs> No, what is is Augustus? He's not Caesar's kid. He's is his he nephew? Great nephew. nephew. That's right. Great nephew. Great nephew. Yeah. I'm sorry. The tree starts with Augustus. Yeah. I don't, I don't have. I don't have Caesar part. up there because he's less it's important. Great nephew. You know. Yeah. He's got. He's got some Caesar-esque qualities in him. Just. I mean, he he did a good job. Yeah. You I seem suppose. unimpressed for I, arguably know? the most important and most impressive emperor. I don't know. Not a Caesar, man. Caesar yeah. really just sets that bar. Mastery of military might. Let's talk briefly before we get into mastery of military might. I want to discuss what it means because we didn't have mm-hmm. that really established last week. No. So you had given Caesar, arguably the greatest military leader Correct. in Roman history, a 9.5. <laughs> I did. And refused to give him a perfect score uh-huh. because he, his subordinates lost a battle at one point. Yep. So I you wanted to be perfect dist- if you're not perfect. Okay, no, okay that's how on. scores go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to I wanted to counter that because if, if that's the if that's the standard we set, we will never have perfect scores from you for that rank. And you shouldn't. Okay. So let me let me say what I think mastery of military might means. Um, say that I am a master guitar player. Okay. Not true. Uh-huh. But let's just say it. Right. I have certainly had hiccups and failures along the way to mastery of anything, including mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. So saying mastery of military might doesn't mean you're an undefeated perfect general because there's like two of those ever. It means you're really good at it. You think on the fly. Your skills are very high. And we also need to discuss this because it's already important for Augustus and in future things with queens who, you know, whatever, later kings mm-hmm. that never actually fight. But they're good at leading, like delegating. Example, yeah, like think like Dwight D. Eisenhower as president of the U.S. Yeah, he was a great military leader, but he wasn't on the beaches. Right. So, so we that need to think throughout of, history, though. Right. Like, so we need to think about how we rate this, um, because in this one, uh, Augustus himself doesn't do a ton of fighting personally, mm-hmm. but damn, is he successful by telling his troops where to go and yeah. putting the right people in charge. Yeah. So I would argue that Caesar was a perfect 20 out of 20. You don't have to change it if you don't want to, <laughs> but it seems silly if we'll never give a perfect score because then what's the point of having a 10-point system? I don't know. With scoring, we have different philosophies on it. That's A perfect that's is like the unattainable. But but that, but it's a score. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? <laughs> we, we, did give, we did give Caesar two 10s, though. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. So. What do you? Okay. He did the impossible then. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so difficult. (laughs) You know who I am. I do know who you are. I since that day I was like I need to find a way to convince Jordan to like not do that. So I I think we should consider that that being, you know, like losing a battle doesn't mean you're not perfect. Correct. Okay. Okay. By the way, I also didn't give the score last week for Caesar. The uh, overall score. The overall score. Did we not? No, because I didn't. I didn't have my spreadsheet. I was typing huh. in my phone. So Caesar, what do you think Caesar got out of a hundred? They're all really high. I'm gonna go. Mm, he would have to lose ten total points. He did. 88 85.5 all right pretty close pretty close yeah (laughs) so yeah he he got a 19.5 on mastery of military might yeah 13 on both terrible tyranny and lives of the living Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and then perfect 20s on departing demise and lasting legacy right yeah so and we decided to call him julius the julius caesar the great radical that's right yes he did whatever he wanted (laughs) which which I also want to point out, we can include the great in the nickname, or we can give them a nickname and then say they also deserve the great. Mm-hmm, it's kind mm-hmm. of a separate thing. But yeah, I liked your The Great Radical idea, so we, we stuck it in there. All that said, right? I have a very long list of things I need to share with you about Mastery of Military Might for okay. Augustus. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, a lot of this was other people doing it at yeah. his command. But he defeated the assassins of Caesar. He did little to actually participate. Like, he was there, but wasn't actually there. He may have run away before the camp was overrun, which some might call smart and some might call cowardly. Right. Many believed this at the time, and he spent years trying to repaint this image. Mm -hmm. He undertook great construction projects to convert some lakes into a harbor, specifically to build and train a fleet to defeat Sextus. Smart man. Which this was primarily undertaken by Agrippa, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, had this massive lake essentially dug out into a harbor because they couldn't practice in the sea. Well, right. Because there was enemies out yeah, there. Yeah. So they tr- built and trained a fleet in this custom harbor that then went out and defeated Sextus. Did they transport the ships from the lake to the sea then? Or were they just training ships? I believe it connected to the sea. Okay. But it was easy to close off. Gotcha. I might be wrong about that, but I think so. Because I know either either's possible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they could have moved them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Romans were not big on sailing. So to do this, this was big. And this was the first official naval port mm-hmm. built for that purpose. That's pretty awesome. Yes. He defeated Antony and Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also mostly Agrippa, but he was definitely there when they went to Alexandria and mm-hmm. won. Now a very long quote from Suetonius. Augustus commanded in person in only two foreign campaigns. In Dalmatia, when he was still a young man, and against the Cantabrians after defeating Antony. In the former campaign, while fighting, he was wounded in the right knee by a sling stone. In the latter, both arms and a leg were badly injured by a bridge collapse. This is part of my theory why he stopped going out and fighting. Is he, he realized... Well, he probably also realized, shoot, if I die, Mm -hmm. this all falls apart. Maybe I should not do that. Right. His other wars were conducted by his generals, though during the campaigns in Pannonia and Germany, he visited the front and or was not far behind, traveling from Rome to Ravenna, Mediolanum, which is Milan and Aquileia. Either as a commander in the field or as a commander in chief of the armies under his auspices, he conquered Cantabria, Aquit- Aquitana, Pannonia, Dalmatia, and all Illyricum, as well as Raetia, 
and the Alpine tribes of the Vindelisti and the Selassie. <laughs> These are words I can't say. <laughs> he also checked the Dacian incursions, inflicting heavy casualties and killing three of their leaders. Drove the Germans back across the Elbe, except for the Swabi and the Sigambri, Sigambri uh, who after surrender were resettled in Gaul near the Rhine, because we need more people and pacified other tribes who were a source of trouble. One last thing, the Parthians, too, readily accepted his claim to Armenia, again, the Parthians, the Eastern Empire mm -hmm. that they keep having to deal with, and not only returned the standards they had seized from Crassus and Mark Antony, but also offered hostages. They were so scared of him that they're like, you know what? You can have these back. Just take it back, please. Don't Just leave us alone. Us. <laughs> and once, when there were several rival claimants to the throne, they insisted on accepting only the candidate that Augustus chose. Yeah. All right. So a Pretty lot. Big impact. His reign was one of massive expansion. Mm -hmm. yeah. No other emperor would add more territory to the empire. Mm -hmm. Ever. Except if you count when they lost everything and regained it and all back. Took it back. Yeah. That's the only other time that this much territory would be captured. Now, Trajan would oversee the largest extent of the empire in mm -hmm. 117 AD, about 100 years from now. But he didn't expand as much as Augustus did. Agrippa, Drusus, and Tiberius were the three powerful generals yep. during Augustus's reign. Um, and as I mentioned, his injuries on campaign are likely what made him go, hmm. Maybe I should just send my stepkids out there to handle this. <laughs> he delegated very well and saw almost nothing but success in his wars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Except once. We need to talk about the Varian disaster. The Varian disaster. Yeah. In 9 AD, so this is very close to his death, mm -hmm. before Drusus died, he had effectively conquered the tribes of Germania. Yep. Uh, they weren't fully incorporated, but they had been well mm -hmm. and truly put down. And then another massive invasion uh, made the Romans confident that they had the area pacified. They had sent in another army, mm -hmm. and it really looked good. In comes Publius Quintilis Verus. He was put in charge of the area with his three legions, so essentially three armies walking around Germany. He spent time marching around and asserting Roman authority because mm -hmm. they pretty much won, but we just got to make sure you guys understand. Right. Time to subjugate. Exactly. So he was heading back across the Rhine into Gaul when some Germans requested, hey, can we host some of your cohorts over the winter? Mm. And the cohort was approximately 480 men. Mm -hmm. So they had requested, can we take about 5,000 cohorts or 5,000 men's worth of cohorts, spread them around our tribes and host them for the winter, which was a sweet offer for a conquering yeah, army. Like right. you want us to have a stronger presence in your land? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. So they did that about, um, a quarter of his army stayed in Gaul mm -hmm. spread out across the tribes. Naturally, this was a trick. It's a trap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the cohorts were slaughtered piecemeal because they're so spread out yeah. expecting to just chill for the winter yeah. and then just all dead. Varus was unaware of this. Dang. Naturally, because he was still marching the rest of his troops right. back. Yeah. When the Germans rushed to him and begged for help with a revolt in the north, oh. he felt honor bound to help his allies. Oh, the tricky, tricky. It's very tricky. So this too was a trick. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Right. So Varus marched his remaining 15,000 men north. Oh, man. It was rainy and muddy. To their death. Yeah. The army was in a thick forest on horrible paths. 
Then they came across two large hills mm-hmm. on either side of this path. Oh. <laughs> the road through was so bad that it was essentially a swamp between okay. these two hills. Everyone knows marching an army through a valley is the best thing you can do. Well, so I, I thought I'd <laughs> ask you this. Yeah, you're, you're in the military, so let, let me give you this scenario. What might you do if you are faced with a swampy path in a thick forest that happens to run between two hills in what is essentially enemy territory? Option A. Go around the hills. This would send you through this thick forest, but probably be a bit safer. Obviously, much mm-hmm. slower. Cross the option B. Cross the swamp slowly, one cohort at a time. C. Send some scouts to check ahead. Or D. March your entire army straight through that swamp with wanton disregard for their safety. D, please. I like to sacrifice all these men. Good, good. The new and Varys are thinking the same thing. Oh so Varys chose why option you, D. Why, 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 yeah. why? As one might expect, oh my God, there were Germans on both hills with bows and spears and slings. <gasps> I had no idea. <laughs> Couldn't have seen this one coming. Wow, the perfect ambush spot. Who could have thought? Yeah. Well, see, and it's important to remember that um, the Romans, like many powerful armies of empires, really found ambushes and guerrilla tactics to be dishonorable. So they didn't think that way, which is ah, stupid. The good downfall of like the empi- empirical armies being like, ah, no, fighting like that's not allowed. Yeah, we don't do you that. You can't do that. If you come out here and face us, we will win. So come here. So, so therefore, we're going <laughs> to win. Yeah. So the Romans took heavy casualties. Yeah. But to their credit, managed to get a defensive shield wall mm-hmm. and then start building their fort. And remember, the Romans at this time carried their fort with yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, that is their bread and butter. Yeah. The shield wall and mobile fort building is what they do. Yes. So Yes. So they quickly, Varus was able to get up the shield wall and then start building a fort out of the swamp mm-hmm. so they could hunker down. But they lost a lot of men. Yeah. This was bad. The next few days saw them going in and out of the forest, hoping to draw out a proper battle. But it just kept being yeah, stones why would and arrows. You do? Why and... would they do They have you surrounded. Why would they be like, yeah, yeah form the lines. Take, yeah. take them on. <laughs> but obviously, the Germans didn't give them that battle. Yeah. But on the fifth day, the Germans launched their largest ambush. Okay. Varus was wounded in this fighting. Dang. Poor yeah. Guy. And when he saw the battle was a lost cause, he killed himself. All three legions were completely wiped out. Yeah. Slaughtered to a man. Yeah. That's years later, they would come through this area and see so many bones that the men wept. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is known as the the uh, Battle of the Tudoberg Forest. Mm. And it is infamous. This is one of the worst defeats the Romans ever experienced. Yeah. It was bad. It's unfortunate. Um, it can't be understated how shocking this was right. to the people of Rome. Oh uh, yeah, and Augustus. Sense. It just, I mean, Drusus pretty much conquered it all, and they're and they're just going through, you know, putting all the the final touches on it, essentially. Yep. And they get decimated, <laughs> just destroyed out of nowhere. And it's important to remember that, you know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, well that really sucks. We'll just reinforce that area with the other armies. There weren't other armies. Yeah, no, they, they died. They killed them all. These men could not be replaced without completely weakening another mm-hmm. part of the frontier because mm-hmm. the empire is huge Yeah, and has yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of borders. Around this time, there are about 28 legions total, and you just lost three, three. of them yeah. in a couple days. Mm-hmm. That That's bad. 
So Tiberius was actually sent off with some troops to keep everything calm. Right. Uh, or basically, to, I'll just read the quote. Quote from uh, Chris Scari, from I think that's how you say his name, from the Chronicle of the Roman Emperors. Tiberius moved swiftly to the Rhine frontier to prevent any German invasion of Gaul, but Augustus, Augustus himself was deeply shocked. It was said that for several months afterwards, he went in mourning, cutting neither his beard nor his hair, and from time to time hitting his head against a door, crying, Quintilius Varus, give me back my legions! Yeah. Yeah. Remember, he's very old at this Just point. Just very shook. Yeah. He's yeah. in his 70s by this oh, point. Oh, man. So, yeah. And that's, that's, that is it. So, about 40 years of constant military success with mm-hmm. one major hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Agrippa, one of the greatest military leaders of right. his age, Tiberius and Drusus, mm-hmm. also great military leaders. His son, or his grandson, uh, Gaius Julius, Gaius Caesar? Yes, Gaius yes. Caesar. Also was doing good things in the East. Yep. Lots of victories. Mm-hmm. What do we think out of 10 right. for our boy in mastery of military might? Right. It's you a tough one. Go first uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, You've got the greatest extent, or the greatest amount of expansion, mm-hmm. and then um, another thing is after that loss, he very he was very shook and said like we shouldn't expand more, and left a note personally to Tiberius saying don't yeah like fortify what we have <laughs> yeah defend our positions maintain don't expand anymore mm-hmm. and uh, and that goes on for about a hundred years. Where there's not a ton of expansion. I mean, it's already massive. It makes it's sense. huge. It's huge. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and a lot of it, you know, imagine you're at you added all of modern France, large parts of Germany, Egypt, um, parts of modern Turkey, all in the last like thirty years, mm-hmm. 30, 40 years. Yeah. So it's a, a lot, huge expansion. So much, and then you got to maintain troops and all that territory. Yeah. So he was very smart. Um, when he did fight personally, he took wounds which i think scared him off doing it again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he knew how to delegate right he knew what to do and he was obviously very involved in the planning of these campaigns he wasn't just sending men off so i since he didn't have any of those personal major victories that really Mm -hmm. showed him shine i think i'm gonna go somewhere in the seven or eight okay what are you thinking? It was lower than what I was going to oh, do. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. You can convince me. Because he has. I mean, he's got all that expansion victories. It's been, it's been great. All those good leaders. He does take a hit because he isn't a personal right. great warrior. Mm-hmm. Like like his, uh, his great uncle. Like... His great uncle. Yeah, you're right. I'm dropping shit. Reaching around. Um. I would, I would go. You said seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. I could be convinced for an eight. Yeah, I would definitely. I wouldn't go seven. I don't think. Okay. I think I'll give him. I'll give him a very solid eight. Okay. I, because, I'll match that because of all of all of the success under him. He just takes the hit for not being a personal great warrior. That's fair. I think yeah. that I think that's a reasonable reasonable thing. Okay, cool. So that is a total of sixteen for mastery of military might, and I think that's really fair. Mm-hmm. Any chance? Any chance I can get you to change Caesar's score? I will to- not retroactively change anything. <laughs> <laughs> Never. All right. All right. Stands. All right. I just I hate it. If someone's better, maybe I'll give them a better ranking. Okay. Fair enough. So let's move on to the next section. <laughs> Terrible tyranny. Terrible tyranny. Right. Ooh. 
Oh, right. <laughs> yes. So this section we'll, we'll just discuss briefly is what things did they do that were terrible mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. or tyrannical? Right. And or tyrannical. So both, because some some things are not really tyranny, but it's just awful. Like why I can would you think do of that? one or two? You know, yeah, yeah they, little they go, things yeah. here or there. <laughs> so, uh, kind of early on uh, in 22 BC, there was a conspiracy against Augustus. Mm-hmm. Tiberius led the trial against the conspirators, and once a guilty verdict was found, others believed to have been involved were rounded up and executed right. without a chance to defend themselves. As they should be. And this was quickly covered up by Augustus. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't want people knowing that you're executing people. Yeah. Naturally. So uh, he marched on Rome with thousands of men to claim power for himself when he was refused it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He enforced strict moral standards that had people killed and exiled while at the same time sleeping around like it was his day job. Uh huh. Yes. Even exiling his own daughter. Right. He divorced Scribonia the day she gave birth he to did. his daughter. He did that. And forced many people to divorce and remarry for his own political mm-hmm. gain. Mm-hmm. Yep. The proscriptions killed roughly one-third of the senatorial class. <laughs> Everyone who disagreed with him <laughs> had to die. It's one way to find unity. This you know? cleared out political problems while making the triumvirate very wealthy. Uh, so they're also stealing money. Uh-huh. They well, even cut off cicero's head and hung it in the forum oh geez one of the most important senators yeah yeah that's a message right there yeah he put the nail in the coffin of the world's most powerful democracy Mm -hmm. this uh was at the cost of one civil war with the assassins and another with mark antony Mm -hmm. his early rule was one of fear violence and death yeah he was the bad guy but he won for sure and created the image yes. of the good guy. Uh-huh. So two quotes from Suetonius that are not super long. Under the triumvirate, many of Augustus's acts won him the hatred of the people. Once, for instance, while addressing a soldier's assembly at which a crowd of civilians were also present, he saw a Roman knight named Penarius transcribing his speech and had him stabbed there and then as taking too close an interest in the proceedings. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. You, you're writing down what I'm saying? Kill him. <laughs> I never said that. We haven't heard that before. <laughs> never. No, never no, heard no, that no, before. No. Uh, the second quote. There was also the case of Quintus Gallius, the praetor who, while paying Augustus his respects, clutched a set of writing tablets underneath his robe. Augustus suspected that he had a sword, but dared not have him searched on the spot for fear of being mistaken. So presently ordered an officer's party to drag him away from the tribunal. Okay, so he thought this man might have had a sword. Right. So ordered him to be arrested and taken away. Fair enough. Gallius was tortured <laughs> as if he were a slave. Cross the line, I think. And though he confessed to nothing, Augustus himself tore out his eyes and sentenced him to death. <laughs> he might have had a sword. In his own account of the instance, incident, however, Augustus records that Gallius asked for an audience, attacked him unexpectedly, and was removed to prison. Right. That being then banished from Italy, not killed. That's right. He disappeared on the way to his place of exile. He just didn't make it there. I don't know what happened. But (laughs) whether he was shipwrecked or ambushed by bandits, nobody knew. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. 
So ripped a man's eyes out with his bare hand and then said, I don't know what happened to him. Might have used a tool. I, uh, fair. He fair. He could have. <laughs> Maybe a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very clear that the man was power hungry and ruthless in his uh-huh. pursuit of an even higher position. Yeah. Final quote from Michael Kerrigan on this. That Augustus, in his days as Octavian, had himself caused so much of the trouble was mostly forgotten. What mattered was that he was now presiding over peace. Mm-hmm. So again, bad guy. Right. Who really started looking like the good guy later. Well, he wrote the story. Right. So. <laughs> and, and in fairness, once he was in charge, things did get better. Right. Yeah. But no. he's still a tyrant. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 think what we I, I'm comfortable with a 10. You, you destroy ten. the most powerful democracy ever for your own gain. You rip a man's eyes out for to be possibly fair, the demise a... of the democracy was already set in place. It was. But you put the nail in the coffin of it. I mean, he wasn't gonna turn around. Why would he do that? I don't blame him for that one. He could have. <laughs> he could have returned power to the republic. Yeah, I don't blame him for that one though. I don't blame him, but I still think I, I personally think that he is one of the great tyrants of history. Even though it, it worked out, right? Long term. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a nine because okay. it did work out. Okay. You know? <laughs> if, if if it worked, he then didn't it... just continue being a tyrant after the rule had been established. He could have just... Uh, well, he kind of did. He kept enforcing the the like um, public order laws and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fair, but and, I think I'm going to stick with nine. Okay. I don't think he just continued committing genocide for fun. Probably not. I think if, uh, if, if Agrippa Postumus came into power anywhere, he would be a true tyrant. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. God if he, forbid had, if one he of already those... had a childhood history of being like, I want to just kill people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Fair. Like for not a reason. There's no gain here. I just want them dead for fun. Yeah. Thank God Posthumus never got into power because that never happens. I say with a very knowing smile as you look at the list of you people. You said that he got killed by his guards. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying the things that you just described. Oh, well, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what makes a true tyrant. I know what happens yeah. in history. I yes. just... All right, all right. So we're so you're settled on your nine? Yeah. I'm going to go with ten. Yeah. So that's a, that's a 19 for terrible tyranny. Lives of the living. Lives of the living. So mm-hmm. how good oh, right. or bad were the lives of the people living in this time as a result of them so i've got i've got pros and cons yeah okay so pros the people loved him Mm -hmm. particularly later because yeah yeah. it was pretty chaotic in the beginning yeah well they just no one knew a time of peace by this point there was no one alive had ever lived in a peaceful republic like there's a there's a story though. So remember, after he got really sick, he stepped down from being consul mm-hmm. after many years of doing mm-hmm. it. The people lost their damn minds about this. Oh. They were like, "What? You're not? They're they're taking it from you, the Senate." Oh, okay. After he willingly was like, "Nah, fam, I need to rest." Yeah. <laughs> In three separate years, the plebeians, the average mm-hmm. people, refused to allow two consuls to be elected. Wow. So that there would be a spot open if Augustus wanted it. Okay. Yeah. So he really was loved. Uh, he sorted out several food food crises mm-hmm. um, and eventually created an office for someone to oversee the grain supply to Rome. It's a specific, you're in charge of that now. From Egypt? A- anywhere. Okay. There are other Just places, but general. that was the main one yeah, yeah, yeah. later on. Well, that makes sense. Yes. So, and the first time um, there was a food shortage, the people said, give him dictatorial power to fix this fix or it. else. Oh, okay. 
and they did and he fixed it there you go yep he undertook great building works often at his own expense the expense of the people whose money he took right yeah he restored many temples and other structures that had been neglected throughout the civil wars because mm-hmm. wars are expensive mm-hmm. there's a famous saying um i found rome a city of bricks and left it a city of marble it's obviously an exaggeration but not a right. huge exaggeration right. uh just a few things that he uh and agrippa built together the temple of marcellus which was the or the theater of marcellus mm-hmm. excuse me which was the first uh marriage for julia okay the first cousin gotcha who was supposed to be the heir right unfortunately just died yeah the temple of apollo on the palatine which is one of the important hills in rome the horologium good horologium it's a giant sundial that used an egyptian obelisk as a pointer all right so a massive sundial (laughs) um a circular mausoleum which ah, might still exist but I'm not sure. And a massive forum of Augustus with its Temple of Mars are just some of the major building projects he undertook. And then Agrippa personally um, built the Pantheon. Oh, okay. Not the one we know. Oh. Because it, it burned down and Hadrian rebuilt it. And that's the one we know. Gotcha. So that'll be... Hadrian. 200 I know years. that name. The, yeah, Hadrian's Wall yeah. is probably... Yep. Yeah. He also, Hadrian did a lot of stuff and it's really unfortunate <laughs> that everyone knows him for that for one wall. wall he built the one time he went to Britain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he did a lot and he was in charge for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, so, so Agrippa built the Pantheon and two new aqueducts, including improvements to the city's overall water system. Okay. So a lot of stuff. Uh, Augustus also reorganized Rome into 14 administrative regions to better manage this Mm -hmm. massive empire. And his rule led to the Pax Romana, which is Hmm. Roman peace. Mm -hmm. And that would last for about 200 years of internal peace. There's one hiccup with the year of the four emperors in there. (laughs) But other than that. Year, the year. The, the year of yeah. the four emperors. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yes. that seems a little hectic. Crazy year. So after over a century of just fighting mm-hmm. and fighting and fighting, mm-hmm. he ushered in peace. Yeah. Cons. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for continuing the civil wars that had plagued the Republic for centuries. Right. For a century. His laws on leaving Italy were strict and reduced the freedoms of Roman citizens. I didn't mention this, but he actually had a law on top of the marriage laws saying mm-hmm. like, if you're a of this certain class, you can't leave Italy for more than three years. It's all you in a campaign to bolster Rome, though. Yep, and get I the mean, population yeah. up of true Romans, mm-hmm. as they saw it. Um, his early power grabs were vicious and brutal. Yep. <laughs> he, he was very strict about adultery, at least if you were a woman. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's about it for the lives of the living. Generally, the people were better off under him than they had been. Mm-hmm. But there were, you know, some blips. The problem is with how long he ruled. Yeah. Like, the first half was pretty bad, and yeah. then, then it went really well. You gotta look overall. Yeah, so what do you think? This one's a, this one's trickier. I don't, really, I don't even know if I'd say first half. Just the first part. I yeah, because he was in charge for so long. Yeah, he definitely had more good. More good than bad. Yeah. I wonder what a 10 is. Because cause there, there are a couple really good emperors who I probably won't cover because their reigns are so calm and peaceful. They're boring. Okay. They but just, those would be the 10 out of 10. The peace in the, in the empire. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it was, just, it was just good. Hadrian being one of them. Yeah. It pro- that probably would be the 10. But yeah. I, so, I want to I I give him an 8 or a 9. 
Yeah, I'm thinking so too. He just he really did just improve. I mean, it was ruthless how he got there, but but he mostly did to, good to senators and for, soldiers. Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, I forgot. He also evicted 18 settlements worth of people. That's true for the army. Yeah, yeah, the lands that they were promised. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make you go on this one. That was, a means, I, that was a means to an end. Yeah. So for a reminder, uh, I gave Caesar a six and you gave him a seven. And yeah. I think Augustus did better. Yeah. For the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm... I still want to sit at an eight or a nine. I was thinking nine. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Okay. Are, yeah. Are you good with I'll the go nine? With nine. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll match on that then. Yeah. Oh, I, my fingers fat fingered and put 69. I just want everyone nice. to know that. So nice. Nice. <laughs> Let's just be the children that we yeah, are. He just, he overall improved the daily living it seems of the people mm-hmm. i agree and the just the image and view and the workings of the empire yep well republic and then empire <laughs> for sure for sure all right on to the next section then departing demise departing demise so this is how interesting is their death okay oh right yeah yep so he just died a sickly old man didn't he Rumors persisted okay. <laughs> that Livia, his wife, poisoned him with a fig. Dun, dun, dun. She's like, bruh, you just need to go away. <laughs> um, in fact, it was rumored that Livia killed off all the heirs so her son could be emperor. You're making the face that I make when I hear that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. This that is seems... once again the, oh, the woman. Yeah, it seems like oh, a, she's just doing a misogynistic it. wash of history. Where I'm yeah. like, well, that doesn't make any sense, though. Yeah, how <laughs> like... did how did she go to that, that city where uh, Gaius Caesar was wounded? Yeah. And then a year later, he died from his wounds. And, yeah, no. and Drusus, her own son. And, yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy that she poisoned him either. Because no. by the time that he died, her son, Tiberius, yeah, was, he was the already, heir. It was already there. It had happened. Yeah. He wasn't Augustus was not really doing anything yeah. at that time either. Tiberius had pretty much stepped in. Yeah, I, I don't think that's So it seems more likely that he died of old age or some yeah. other natural illness. He was almost seventy six yeah. and he was also sickly. So while a natural death seems really boring, mm-hmm. I just wanted to point something out. Very few emperors die of old age. Right. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, I found a list that had eighty four emperors on it. It's hard to tell who actually was emperor sometimes, so this list is a bit dubious. But it goes from Augustus to Justinian the first, mm-hmm. so about six hundred years approximately of emperors. Twenty-one of the eighty-four died of natural causes, so a quarter. Yeah. So he's in rare company. So I think the fact that he's one of those could earn him a few points for just dying of old age. I suppose this is what well, this is how memorable the death is, right? Interesting, is memorable. Interesting. Yeah. Did he have a huge funeral or something? Oh yeah. Yeah, for well, sure. I'm sure most emperors oh, did. Yeah. But he was uh-huh. loved and ruled a long time. A long time. And it and it was through his ruling for so long that, mm-hmm. you know, this whole thing became normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give him a 6. Really? I am. That high. Because he's in he died of old age and the people loved him, so I know it was a huge affair. He'd been ruling for so long that thing, that that city was had a bumping, you know, celebration of life for him. I'm sure. Okay, okay. So that's why he, he wasn't why in Rome when he died. Right over the top. But but yeah. Yeah, but the whole emperor empire knew that it happened, and I'm sure the whole empire mourned. True, true. Okay. Hmm. So you're gonna give him a six. I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think I'm gonna go that high. I that's was thinking fair. like a three. Yeah, that's fine. I get it. Yeah. 
Okay, so I think I'm going to give him a three. So that's a nine for Departing Demise. That's the, the biggest gap we've had between each other yeah. thus far. But uh, yeah, let's move on. Lasting Legacy. Lasting Legacy. So this is how did their rule affect history? Oh, boy. So uh, something I didn't mention that is actually very important is Augustus founded the Praetorian Guards. Oh, that is yeah. very important. Yeah, okay. real important. <laughs> oh, they, they take a big role into political developments yeah. for the rest of Rome. <laughs> yeah, much. hundreds of... Pro- basically until the West Falls. Yeah. Yeah, so like okay. 400, 500 years, these guys <laughs> are right, very important. Right. So the Praetorian Guards, just briefly, they were actually an arm of the Roman army prior to this, uh, set with protecting um, very important members of government. Mm-hmm. They were the elite soldiers. Right. Very elite. So Augustus formalized them as the emperor's personal bodyguard mm-hmm. and stationed them in units of 500 or 1,000 men around Italy so he would always have capable guards nearby. Right. And again, at this time, they're the elites. That's, yes, that changes. Time. Yes. <laughs> but this fraternity would go on to have a huge impact yep. on Roman imperial or imperial Rome for centuries to come and we will see that. Yes, we will. <laughs> so, he also created the role of emperor. He essentially yeah. laid yeah. out the framework. Um so there's two there's two main periods. Um this is the principate period, I believe is what's called because he's the princeps, he's the first man. He is the first right, among right, equals. Right, right, first one equals. This goes for a couple hundred or 300 years before the it kind of switches to no 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 I'm a god oh and okay. you are beneath me god rulers so there those are like kind of the two the two points and he sets that up okay but in general he sets up what an emperor is mm-hmm. and that lasts for fifteen hundred years right it changes obviously but it that's insane um, this also marks a significant turning point in world history as no major democracy is going to rise. For like 2,000 years mm-hmm. after this. And obviously Roman democracy is very different than what we consider democracy. Right. But still. Mm-hmm. Like the largest democracy in the world is now gone. Mm-hmm. And it won't come back until... I, the United States, I believe, is the first major world power democracy. Right. After yeah. this. Correct. Because, well... England is a constitutional monarchy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, semantics. But it's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he also put a cap on imperial expansion which i mentioned which mm-hmm. does have a massive effect he after the disaster in Tudorberg forest he stopped all expansion and mm-hmm. told tiberius the same which tiberius follows and we don't see much expansion beyond this little bits and like we talked about he ushered in the pax romana 200 mm-hmm. years of roman peace mm-hmm. after a century of civil war this is huge mm-hmm. very very important um again tiny hiccups along the way but Compared to everything else, one year yeah. of rough times ain't too bad. Right. Yeah. Versus the centuries of rough times yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. It's not good. But I think it's a 10. Yeah. It's an easy one. Yeah. It's a 10. It's a, yeah. His a legacy 10. is so important. Yeah. All right. So that's 20 for lasting legacy. Yeah, you, didn't even, you didn't even have to mention like with Egypt establishing all this amazing food support for right, the entire yeah. empire for like you said however long to come very long like just yeah until the rise it, of islam and they take it yeah okay yeah. well that's a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. yeah and even then it's still like obviously you got all this grain and the romans want it you're still going to sell it to them yeah right so yeah, yeah. it's it stays very it's, important uh, yeah huge legacy well do you have a guess at what his total score is 
Have I been listening enough to remember? And, and did he beat Caesar? Yeah, he beat Caesar. No. He didn't? He's in the no. 80s, though, right? Yeah. Okay, 83. Okay. 82. Man, I thought, his, I thought his insane factor really helped bump him up, but his death... Yeah, That's we, right. His death was a death lot was less boring mm-hmm. comparatively. Um, his mastery of military might was a bit lower, and yeah, uh, that's true. He was a bit more tyrannical, and the living of people was a bit better. So yeah. it kind of balanced Almost out. Almost balanced out. Yep. So now the great. We have. I have a couple ideas for a nickname for him, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm very open. So he. I think we can say he gets yeah, the great. He does get the great. He's gonna get he that checkbox. So for sure. I was thinking of a few. So Augustus the first because it's kind of a play. Yeah. Um. He's also because it's he's the only Augustus mm-hmm. to ever exist. As an emperor, he um, is the princeps, which right. is the first, first man. Yeah. And I was thinking we could add and only. So Augustus the first and only could be a, uh, an interesting one. Also, the founder. Yeah. The father. Right. The stabilizer, which is kind of boring. That is boring. And the giver of peace. Okay. Which is, uh, yeah. Do you have any ideas? I'm partial to the first and only. It's a good one. It's accurate. Makes sense. My brain wants to play around with, with something involving, involving his, his crazy side. Mm, like ripping what out eyes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like the tyr- tyrannical uniter. Ah, uh, yeah. But I can't get a good play on words with it. Yeah. Like the the first and only is good. I mean that makes sense. Are you are you cool with taking that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It so makes sense. We'll go with Augustus the first and only, and then we give him the check for. Yeah. Did he? Is he the great? Oh, he big time. definitely deserves a great. That's for sure. A hundred percent. Got a score of eighty-two. So I just wanted to say we're not going to do an episode on Tiberius. We're going to right. We've covered a bit of him today. Uh huh. And then we're going to actually go with his successor. So we'll cover a bit so of we'll his establish reign. The end of it, pretty much. Yes, his successor is around through most of Tiberius's reign. Gotcha. So Tiberius is interesting, and I'll cover the interesting and crazy things that he did, but they aren't interesting and crazy enough. I think I know his successor, though. Who? I want to guess Nero. Ooh, which Nero? Oh, there might only There's be one only Nero. There's only one on here, so, so <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I know the name Nero. <laughs> okay, okay. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, just remember, I said I hid. I know you hid nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but that will be next week. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you join us next time. Once again, shout out to Totalis Rankin for inspiring this podcast. Uh, you should definitely give them a listen. And uh, we will see you guys next time. We should get a closer of some kind. We don't have one. It could just be music. Yeah, well, there will be music, be but there, yeah, there, should, there should be something. Maybe right. we just we'll fade out here it. while we're babbling <laughs> and the talking. music just starts playing. All right. <laughs>